I am unashamed. What about you? Well, we're busy putting together a few bonus segments for future podcasts with some of my treasure friends in the metal detecting world. And so we had we had an issue come up and I asked them about it. I thought it went pretty well. But I had a riddle. A riddle. Yeah, so I thought Good. I'd bring it before you and see what y'all had to say. So in the past year, all my buttons on my pants are popping off at various... Mine too. Really? Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> I haven't had a bathroom scale functional in a couple years. There's one in there, battery doesn't work. So I took the battery out and looked at it, and it looked like no battery I'd ever seen before in my life. And uh, I tried a couple places. No, we don't sell those. So anyway, Missy China figured out a way to order one of these sophisticated batteries. So now the scale is now functional. It's back on. So I ha- I was under the delusion that the reason all my buttons were popping off is because I was gaining weight. That's what I discovered was my issue. Oh, that was your issue? That was my issue. Not mine. It was, when more, I weighed, it was the girth that I, was the problem. I actually had lost four pounds from the last time I had weighed, which was about two years ago. So what is the riddle? Solve that riddle. Cheap you could, you could material. Be. Huh? You're wearing cheap material. <laughs> no. Bad sewing machines. <laughs> nope. Skinny fat. Not good no. thread. Nope. Somebody about half drunk went out to sewing machine. <laughs> they don't get the buttons on. Yeah, there's a big alcoholic problem. All, all of this, this is seamstresses. Up, you button it up three times and your buttons fall off. You're a bad sewing machine. That's I'm, all. I'm that's stunned. the whole riddle, Jason. No, I'm stunned. My, my, Pick up the price a little bit when you buy something. Yeah, quit being a cheapskate. My treasure buddy's got it first off, but y'all, nope. <laughs> What's happened is... Although the weight is the same, there's been a shifting. Oh, well, that's what I said. Skinny fat. I don't. I don't know what that. You, it, We're you, not you familiar can, with you your, can, your North Carolina terms here. Yeah, yeah, your, your ways frightening. I mean, look, my first impression when you said that was like hit you in the arm <laughs> and then wipe it off. Uh, skinny. I, I, like you, you, it's skinny. like you're you're skinny, but you've actually gotten fatter. So it's like yeah. it's weight shifting. Like you, you may have lost weight, but you've lost muscle. Muscle weighs more than fat. So but, you I, could, but I'm doing the same regimen that I've been doing 30 years. Yeah, but you're also aging. That's what I'm yeah, saying. You're 50 yeah. now. You're 50. So, so I got it. Murray got it. But now that's that what I'm they thinking, said. All, they both said it's a. So I said, hey, there's been some shifting going on here that you don't even want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl Allison used to say it was when especially you're... up here. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. everyone listening, Sob. There's nowhere for it to go except out. He'll <laughs> pointed in between his ears. Uh, yeah, there's a shift going on there, isn't it? A big shift. <laughs> but you know what's amazing is Sob has turned that shift into quite the lucrative career of, you know. What the- we thought was acting stupid, we were informed that it was actually called talent. That's right. We just hadn't talked to the right people. Exactly. Like the Los Angeles crowd said, oh, no, they, he's, he's, not, he's not off as a rocker at all. That's, that's 100% that's right. talent. That's exactly right. 
So blazetv.com slash unashamed. Right now until February 7th, they're offering a $15 off a one-year subscription. So we've been doing these, We call them, I call them unashamed overtime. It's like a bonus segment from our podcast. So that's where you go to get that. But more than that, you get, you know, you can get all 800 episodes of In the Woods. That's there along with all their other people. So yeah. we got a great relationship with Blaze. They've been super to us, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you might want to check that out at the end of the episode. We'll tell you a little bit more about it. So so you're asleep, Jace, and they woke yeah. you up? I mean, you yeah, just... they woke me up. I was like, I mean, that's how – got to remember this is 12-hour days in the elements. It is in the winter time. Yeah. It's just brutal. I mean, I literally just fell asleep in the field. And then the next morning – when I was awakened by my alarm, I tried to move and I couldn't move. I thought, what is wrong with me? So I finally got a little feeling in my left arm and I worked it over to my right arm and I started like resuscitating the right arm. You had the dead arms? I had the dead arms and then I moved both arms down and I like grabbed my leg and started... Massaging a little bit and pulling it up, and I was like, and I went to the other leg. I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I got the legs out of the bed. I was like, I'm going for it, and I just. Oh. <laughs> Did you have any breaks during the twelve-hour PM shift? I've not never heard of a person their whole body went to sleep. I could not move a single. Muscle in my body when I woke up. I literally had to do that. And I got up, I felt a little wobbly, and I was like, if I can get this foot in front of the other, and I just, oh, and then Missy, I woke her up during all this. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm trying to walk. <laughs> so his next conversation, Zach, is he needs a raise. Yeah. I mean, if you're having to wake every part of your body up in the morning, yeah. You're working well, I hard. It was weird. It had never happened to me before. You know, drink a little I, more water. I was trying to say that's how yeah, you're dehydrated. You're dehydrated. I think I that's walked about eight to ten miles the day before. Yeah, and it was just a long day, and it was just rough. Well, you like you like the old Toby Keith song. You're not you're not as good as you once were, but you're as good once as you ever were. <laughs> how do you remember that? You know how many songs I remember? You don't remember that one? Not country. <clears throat> Zach's out of mind like a steel trap. Yeah, worship you know. songs, I can give you, you know. I mean, yesterday we went in it because I was like, man, I've been, I'm actually, you know, I'm working now. Yeah. So it's weird. I think that's the problem. That's it. I was basically, I took a vacation for four or five years. And now I'm actually out there feeling like work, <laughs> even though I'm doing something I enjoy. Man, I well, you got to there. thinking this was work. Us talking about the Bible, and then you're thinking like. They started, I walked in there, and they were that, I thank God. That's all I remember. <laughs> it's, I was just like, oh, I need that. Your I mean, body's yeah. getting older. I, I went, uh, yeah, I went skiing because we got 13 inches of snow in North Carolina last week. Welcome to the studio, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's good to have you in the studio. It's we don't get that very often. Zach's part of the team here. Well, he is, but I'm saying he's not here very often. Well, but he, well, y'all take vacations. Well, sure. He's, every time I turn around, y'all are somewhere exotic. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm out here working. I'm working. Okay, I'm just traveling work. When I'm when I'm somewhere, we never I'm, leave work. Yeah, I took never. one vacation that lasted three years, <laughs> but 
<laughs> it was a good one. It was, it was a good one. It was a run. Yeah, it was a I, it's your yeah. You, I'm 44 now, and uh, so yeah, I, I can tell the difference in the recovery times. I, I I'm not a skier. I grew up in Florida slash Louisiana. There's no skiing around here, you know, except water skiing. Water skiing, yep. Yeah. But in North Carolina, you've got a few places. I mean, it's not Colorado, but it's you know. So I saw you limping around when you came in. Oh, here. I took a. I, I so I get up. I get up on the ski lift, which I've only gone three times. I went in high school in Gatlinburg once, and then I went last year at Beach Mountain in North Carolina with the kids, and then Jill and I'm like, hey, let's go, let's go, I'll go skiing. So I'm like, ah. so I get up there and I get my skis. You, they, you, you get on a lift that you're, it basically takes you up the mountain. So you're looking down. It's, Is this in North Carolina? Yeah, it's in North Carolina. Oh, really? I didn't know they had skiing there. They got Sugar Mountain, Beach Mountain. We went to this one called Wolf Laurel, which is kind of the local place. It's not, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. But right. so I'm on the ski lift and, and, uh, and so I don't know where to get off at. Jill jumps off and I realize, oh, we're getting off. So then, but you, there's a timing to it. So I like, look, by the time I realize she's off, it's like a five foot drop now. I just jump. Well, then I break my ski <laughs> when I get off and I fall, bust it, bust it. And then the guy's like, I got to send you back down, which is kind of like, you don't uh, do that. That's, so that's, that's box or something. Do what? Penalty they put you. Yeah, well, it, it no, feels like that. It's the ride of shame because everybody else is going up, but nobody's going down. Nobody goes down. So if you go down, it's like, look at that loser. Yeah, that's that's what everybody's saying. And they're all pointing at me and <laughs> laughing, and I mean, it's like it was. It's the ride of I shame. Wish I, I wish I could have seen that. Oh, it's horrible. I, wish it I never filmed. got past the where the lift was going up. I said, "Oh, we have to get on that." You didn't get on it. No. <laughs> Oh, it's scary. <laughs> you got how many movies have you seen where something bad happened on that? I was like, I'm out. Well, they, well, I go get my ski fixed and come back up. We, me and Jill, she skis down the mountain. We we ride back up together. Then the next time I get off, and there's like a big metal pole that where the like the cables are attached to. You we, ran into it. Well, no, nah, but it was it was on the side. But Jill, when she gets off, she like cuts in front of me. Well, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm like, well, then I lose control. Then why I it, why would you why are you doing this on purpose? I don't this know. This is embarrassing. It was the leader of your well, family. He couldn't even get off the lift. That's what's yeah. embarrassing. So then, well, well, then I <laughs> forget about skiing. This is so. This is the second attempt. So then, then I fall, I fall backwards, and I got on a helmet, and the helmet hits the the metal pole. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. I mean, it's just the whole place here. <laughs> Most people wear helmets. I don't know. I mean, I was. I mean, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. What I, and, well, then, and you needed to. <laughs> I needed to. Your wife is doing figure eights. And she's doing yeah. her little deal because she grew up around there. She grew up in North Carolina. She grew up That's skiing. why she wanted to go skiing. Oh, oh just to show you. look like an idiot. And the kids, they're like doing all kind of crazy yeah. tricks and stuff. And the, and the guy who's running the, mm. the deal, that he comes up, oh, sir, sir. Oh, it's you again. He said, you get your ski fixed? I'm like, I got it fixed. He goes, are, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. So then I go down the mountain, and, I mean, I get around the corner, and, I mean, I'm I'm talking about moving like. You're out of control. I'm out of control. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't You're know. You're a menace, sir. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I, I took a fall, and I'm telling you, I think I blew my, I think I tore something in my knee. <laughs> That's been five days. All this was under doing. the guise. Of having fun. Having fun. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, I just, I never have done it. Hang on, let's take a break. So I don't know if it was uh, the pandemic that did it or if it was prior to that. Zach may know because he's younger than us. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are ordering food, um, like pre-made food delivered to your house. I mean, is that fair to say that that's a, that's a big, huge 
thing kind of across our country. Yeah. yeah. And was that pre-pandemic? Yeah. I think it was just people save time. People are. I got a newsflash. People don't cook. Don't and, cook and and most time it's both you know the uh, husband and wife are both working in this situation so I, I get it. Uh, one of our sponsors is a group called Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart and Marley Spoon, and they have a meal kit. And of course Martha Stewart's a, a very household name, and so we understand that you know they're really into creating really good food, and so that's what they do. Um, they got they get dishes from all over the world that deliver straight to your door. It's classics. Uh, so you can sign up today if you go to marleyspoon.com, use the code Phil, and you're going to get $120 off. Wow, that's awesome. So you get a big benefit for trying it. A lot of people don't like to go and shop for groceries. We get that. So try marleyspoon.com, use the code Phil, $120 off your first five boxes. So that's marleyspoon.com, use the promo code Phil, and have some great food delivered to your house. I retired. Me and uh, Willie, we used to take a piece of ply board and just one of Phil's fishing ropes and just let it out, and you just hang on. And the fun part was you could get as close to, like, the stump line on the river as possible <laughs> if you're driving because you just wanted to promote fear. <laughs> so what are, you, what are you on? You're hanging on to a rope? You just grab the rope, get on the. It was like a plywood. piece of plywood, yeah. or we used tin. Like we have a snow in down here. Used, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we would go that. down those hill, that hill. Yeah. When well, we water ski, well, well, yeah, we, we did that. And of course, Willie goes over and pulls off two pieces of siding off of mom and dad's house, <laughs> and made skis. <laughs> and made skis out of them. So he was the fastest. <laughs> but you talk about out of control because there was no way. What he wasn't. He just well, the went, best part about the ski. I was talking about when we used to water ski. But yeah, when we. I was talking about every, the every ten here, years it snows down here. We got there's a big hill, and uh, down by fields, and we would the the best part of that competition was there were no rules <laughs> coming right. down. If you could like attack your opponent it was, as you're going right, down. it was kind of like it was kind of like combining you know fighting yeah. and skiing at the same time. And bo- snowboarding because Will, Willie had the side and he was beating everybody. So yeah. it's like team. A piece of tin and, and the plywood. We had a rope, so as soon as Willie took up, whoop, rope up, choop, gone. So it, the skis would go off one way, and Willie's down the bank into the river. Well, we we went to this. Uh, there's this big church, a little church in the town I live in, and it's got a huge hill that everybody goes to when it snows, and they sled down it. Yep. And so we're all doing the sledding, and there's a bunch of people down there. And Bear gets down there first. Well, he's got this little sled. It's like a like a cylinder, kind of like the one off a. Of, uh, Family vacation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like that. That's he, what, he had some kind uh, of uh, ointment on him. Oh, and he was moving. So he gets down there first. Well, then I don't know. This became his thing. As you would, whoever was coming down, he would take that disc, and right before they got to, he'd throw it at him. <laughs> try to decapitate him. Assault. And I'm like, <laughs> so it was kind of. I mean, he's got some Robertson jeans in him. Oh, apparently. I was going to say he could fit in with us for the oh, back in the day. Sounds like me, a bunch of rednecks going amuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you started that because when I was a little kid, Jay's probably too young to remember it. We were up in Junction City, and you were younger then. But you and some of your buddies, y'all flipped over a car hood and tied yep. a rope to the front of it, yep. and all the kids got on the thing. Yeah. And so they were out there in those four wheel drive trucks. Well, they would turn that thing sideways. Where you're going about. 
50 miles an hour. Oh, it's slinging you, yeah. Slinging I've across. I mean, I was thinking back on that. Forget about helmets. We were lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that thing flips over. We're all dead. Yeah, we did that in college one year. Back in the day, people used to ride the back of the trucks and all. Oh, or lay up on the back of the yeah. car, remember, looking out. We do that now, and somebody's calling now. On no, the there's a Karen just yeah, waiting the, to turn the, you Yeah, in. the key word for 2022 is safety. <laughs> safety. <laughs> but even with all the safety measures, it couldn't help you. Oh, no. Nah, and when nah. you get noticed the second go around, then they're like, uh, Mr. Dasher, there's a place down here by the oh, fire. Oh, for you. Hey, trust me, I retired on my own. <laughs> I retired of my own accord after that one. I said, Are you ever going back? Um, I don't. If I go back, I'll sit in a lodge by the fire yeah. and drink coffee. But I'm not. That's what you yeah, should. I don't think that's going to be. That's for what me. Lisa and I said. We we've moved into. We're the grandparents. We'll have everything. <laughs> we'll have some nice so hot chocolate ready for everybody. Well, the irony is, is I got invited the same week. I got an email from a guy who does a ministry for got you know, business people and uh, young business guys. Like that, he you go on these extreme adventures, and one of the things that they do is uh, hella skiing. So I got invited. So they drop you off in a helicopter, and you go skiing down a mountain. So I, I'm glad that this happened because what if I would have said yes oh, and then no. got up there on that kind of mountain? No, no, no. Oh, That's, you'd have been. I'd have been. People die. Remember yeah. Sonny Bono? Oh yeah. That's how he died. Yeah, I'm so, gonna take the safety route. Kind of stunt like that. Well, Zach, we're glad you're with us, and even though here. you're limping, I am glad limping. That, glad that you're here. Um, so we're in First uh, Corinthians four. Is where we're at. You guys have been following us along in our in our Bible study, which we have. I've really enjoyed this because it's really been good. And so we we kind of laid out Paul's case for unity in the first three chapters, and now he's going to kind of hit a. I, I don't know. I kind of zeroed in, Jace, on the word, which is not in the text, but it seems like the concept here is is decency was the word that I found, and I looked it up. It's the the definition for decency is behavior that conforms to accepted standards of morality or respectability, modesty and propriety, the requirements of accepted or respectable behavior. And that's kind of what he's going to deal with in these next three chapters, because obviously the Corinthian church, we laid it out pretty clear, they were surrounded by a lot of indecent uh, behavior. Is that a fair thing to say, you think, Jace? I mean, in terms of what was going on, with the sexual morality, with you know all the things that they were dealing with, the word, the Greek word for that decency, means to become more. And and at Romans thirteen, uh, thirteen says, "Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing, drunkenness, sexual immorality, and debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh." So he was talking to the Roman church there, but it's the same concept. And kind of that's, I think, what kind of guides us into this these next two or three chapters, When you well, say? I think also. What the, what the oh, overarching problem, as I see it, in Romans, by the time he gets toward the end of the book, two or three chapters, uh, the, uh, there's a little confusion here on what love is after you after you read like 1 Corinthians, not up. Uh, don't covet whatever other commandment there may be summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then this. And he did the same thing to the Corinthians, wrote the same thing that he did to the Romans. Love does no harm to its neighbor. 
therefore loves and fulfillment of the law. In the Corinthians and the Romans had a severe problem. Romans 2, they're looking for ways to judge others when they themselves do the same things. All of them are sinners. So this group of sinners starts going through someone's life looking for a mistake so they can cancel them. And the reason they're doing that, they don't love them at all. Yeah. So love's a problem with Romans. When you get to the first Corinthians, by the time you get to 13, he goes into this and says this, if I give all I possess to the poor every dime and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. And you're going to read about it in first Corinthians four and five on what their problem really was. It was a love problem. It's a love problem in America, too. Love's not rude. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Think about a world like that. It keeps no record of wrongs. And now we have a whole country with people sitting at a computer trying to find out where someone made a mistake, and, and, it, and, and they're still mad about it and won't forgive them if it's 200 years ago, the mistake. Right. I mean, so anybody else who makes a mistake in modern day, they look around, they try to find ways to destroy them, to defame them, to get them, you know, they fired from their job. You said just out to get them. We got them. We we got them. So you're describing cancel culture, which we when you run out of love, you got big problems. Yep. Which is kind of the heart of your book, Uncanceled. Is the idea of dealing with that? You, you yeah, Paul that, the right? Romans and the Corinthians. He he ended up there. Yeah, we got a love problem here. These people having sex with this and that and the other, running just going nuts, which is kind of not much has changed in the last couple yeah. thousand years since this was written. What do you think, Zach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think that these guys here. You think about cancel culture. One of the I guess one of the fears of 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 believers and and a uh, uh, cancel culture is that is the fear of being marginalized is the fear of being you know um made to look like a fool of uh, like you're out of touch you know you're you're a bigot or whatever whatever the accusation is going to be that the fear is is that I'm going to be cast into a light that's going to make me look like an idiot and and I think it's here when Paul you know is kind of talking about what they went through it's very similar because he basically says that you know we've became fools for Christ, and and I think what he's saying there is people are looking at what they're, and this is in First Corinthians uh, four um, when he talks about this idea that that they they were fools um, because of the name of Jesus they they became weak uh, you are strong you are honored we are dishonored to this very hour we go hungry and thirsty to this very hour we are in rags we are brutally treated we are homeless. We work hard with our hands. We are cursed. Uh, we bless when we are persecuted. We endure it. Uh, when we are slandered, we answer kindly. And up to this moment, we've become the scum of the earth. And look, and what he's saying. Hang on, Dad. Is Hang on, Dad. Let's take a break. So, Zach, do you know anyone that uh, feels bad about losing their hair? Because it's right around your age is when it really starts to happen. You got some friends like that? I do. My brother, Grant's got a, man, a massive receding hairline. But you know what happens? I thought about this. The hair leaves the forehead. 
Yeah. And then it relocates to the shoulder blades. <laughs> <laughs> it does, if you don't take care of it, for sure. <laughs> Which creates a problem on many fronts. Whether no you're question. taking care of it or not, those shoulder blades are going to be popping. No que- so to answer your question now, yes. yes. Grant's moved from a forehead to a five head. Oh, there you go. So, and look, and people are sensitive, right? We get that. So we one of our long-term sponsors is a company called Keeps. And what they try to do is help you keep what you have before you go to the forehead to the five head. Yeah. Uh, they're going to help you stop the hair loss and improve your hair growth. So you want to try these guys. They're about half the cost of a traditional pharmacy. Um, so check them out. Keeps.com slash door. Keeps.com slash door. You're going to get 50% off your first order, which is really great. So these guys are going to help you not only stop losing it but keeping it and then yeah. hopefully get a little bit better keeps.com slash door check them out stop the five head there you go what's the five head a forehead four to a five head you have a forehead it's a pun Jace. but it's like i'm saying four like the number forehead i like the shoulder blades better <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let the let's let the audience decide on which joke's better What he's saying is 2,000 years later, I just wrote a book on it, me with your help of your dad, finding meaning and peace in a culture of accusations, shame, condemnation, and you could put, and no love. That's right. So we reach out to them. We don't hate them. We're just trying to get them, give us a break. for. Well, and what y'all would say, like, I hope you guys, by the way, will, will will buy this book now. I know it's not out; it's about to be out. But it, but if our audience and people that support what Phil's doing, particularly, if you would order it now, this gets this allows us to get this book on the on the top seller list, which is not easy because obviously the the type of content that it is, we're, New York Times is going to want to ignore this as much as possible. But um, how awesome would it be to have a book called Uncanceled <laughs> on the New York Times bestseller list, which exactly. is yeah, it's just canceled, which is the heart of I don't canceled. think that dog's going to hunt. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 Not unless our people rally this, yeah. right? What I was going to say is a uh, big picture. I think the problem is, and I, I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to read this again. The, the last verse in 2 Corinthians in his second letter, he said, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You can't have grace without Jesus being Lord. <coughs> and I said earlier, they wanted a Savior, not necessarily a Lord. And he repeats himself over and over and over, you know, even in chapter four. And the love is right in the middle of that. Well, and you can't have, you know, love without God. God is love. And so I, I keep going back to the relationship aspect and this fellowship of the Spirit. He just said in chapter 3 and 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? The implication there is actually, do you not know this? It's like they were having a belief or having a church without actually having the personality that the Trinity represents. Yeah. He just keeps saying it over and over. And another illustration of that is in chapter 4, when he, I think, is one of the more scary verses in the Bible, just because when God is close and you're and is real, you start thinking of the implications of that. When he says in 4, 5, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till 
the Lord comes, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So, so the reason I think that is scary is it's not, we're, we're the type of people that just look at actions and we try to figure people out and usually I get it dead wrong. I'd be like, this guy would never, yeah, he would never follow Christ. Bump, next day he's ready. You know, it's just, that's the way it works. But when you think about God, not only knowing what you do, but your motives, yeah. Why are well, you saying it? there's some churches even, maybe a lot of churches, maybe <laughs> that love or lack thereof is the problem. I think it's the problem. He can work within God's people because that's who he's writing to. I think it's the problem because they're not looking at God as a real living being that is noticing and aware of their heart. And this counter culture, cancel culture, you say what, what they're missing is they're not godly at all. They don't even believe in God. They've decided that yeah. there's they, there's no need, no room for God in their heart. I mean, maybe what I'm presenting is more an agnostic view, but I'm saying there's a lot of people say they believe in God, but they really don't. Yeah, They just believe he's not real and working. He's a million miles away. And you know that because you just see uh, blatant things like you act one way in a church building, you go and do something that you know God would be vehemently opposed to. But it's like it's in their mind, it's They've like, well, we did this. That's a separate kind of deal here. That's why I think he keeps saying this, Jesus is Lord, and the you know God knows not what you're doing, but why? He knows your motives. You just think about that. Because that way, that, that gives me a little comfort because you can be sincerely mistaken. I mean, God knows your heart and knows why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, but look at what he said before that in verse 4. He said, my conscience is clear, but that does not mean I'm innocent. Yeah. It is the Lord who judges me. And that's a yeah. huge statement when you think about it because a lot of people say, well, you know, now in our culture we say, yeah. I've got my truth. My truth tells me this. Your yeah. truth may tell you that. Well, look, just because your conscience is clear and what you think you're doing the right thing may not be the right thing at all. Well, Paul also said he persecuted the church with a clear conscience. That's right. He, he was killing Christians with a, with a clear conscience. And he also said to the Romans, it's the only place in the Bible I've ever read it, and he said people who don't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, one of the things he said about them is that they're God-haters. So, so, so sometimes, Jace, it's not even them doing something that, mm -hmm. in the name of God. There are people out there, at least there were in the Roman Empire, I think there's still a few left, who are literally God-haters. Well, exactly. But what I'm saying is, if, if you read this text and say, he'll bring to light what is hidden, and we all think of that verse, we'll all stand before God. But I guarantee you this, those that will be confident are the ones that realize they stand before God every day. Yeah. He, he knows your heart and your motive every day. I'm standing before God having conversations. We, we're, we're, we're doing this. So when I actually stand before God in, a, I guess, a physical slash spiritual way at this time, well, I'm, I'm hoping we'll have the same conversations. Yeah. Because I'm like... 
I'm, you know, I look at my life and you take daily analysis, weekly analysis, and you, some things are glaring you do wrong and you, you confess your sins. And, but you also, you know, ask for wisdom and all the things that we, we have in a real relationship. But I had, I had this illustration I wanted to bring up because Todd's down, we were filming. Hang on, let's take a break. So, Zach, you have a nice home uh, in North Carolina, really beautiful place there. Yeah, thank you for telling everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be knocking on a lot of doors till they find your place. Uh, but anyway, what you want to do to protect your home, because someone may be trying to steal your title yeah. as we speak, because this happens. Uh, cyber thieves, they go online, they find your title, and then they steal all the equity you have in your home, Yeah, which is, which is a bad deal. But I've got somebody right now coming after my identity. Really? Yeah. You've been dealing with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a mess. It's really unfortunate because it's so easy for it to happen. I mean, Dad, you're probably pretty safe. You don't have a lot of online stuff. But for the rest of us that have to deal with it every day. uh, So what we want to do is we want to put a stop to that and put a protection around your home. And so uh, one of our sponsors, Home Title Lock, is going to help you do that. HomeTitleLock.com is where you go. Register your address. Make sure you still own your home and your title. You enter the code RADIO, you're going to get 60-day money-back guarantee. So it's really good. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code RADIO and protect your home. And, you know, when you're doing a Hollywood project, you're trying to find some, some moments of clarity with God to make sure you're being the one influencing for the good instead of being influenced. But I was down there at the bank of that river, and, you know, I thought about this river, Mississippi. I mean, we got we go over that bridge. I've been over that Mississippi River Bridge hundreds of times and heard stories, and I've seen maps. And But when I was down there right at it in high water, I was down there where I literally just a matter of feet. Yeah. You realize how powerful this is. Hmm. You drive over it, you look at, oh, that looks cool. When you're real close to it, <laughs> you, you sense and see the power. And I thought, I think that was the Corinthian problem. If you have him a million miles away and it's just something that is in the conversation, and it's just like you're crossing a bridge and, oh, yeah, where, yeah. Ah. But when you get close and you know that he's looking at your motives, and that's why I think when he eventually at the end of chapter four here said the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a power now you can say all the things in the world but when you're experiencing and seeing god's power in a real close way a personal way i just think it has a different tone to your i heart. think you're right and then back in verse six jays he says something interesting because you remember he's still in the context of them holding up men as their leaders yeah. so he's trying to make that separation look we're not we're not a big deal mm-hmm. i mean we're just servants but then he because you start thinking I know people are listening and think, well, wait a minute. If I can't trust my own conscience, you know, how do I follow? But look what he says in verse 6. Brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. In other words, all the people they were saying, I follow Apollos, I follow Apollos. He said, look, it's not about us. So that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over or against another. So the idea is that's why we have a guide. That's why the word of God was provided. You start wondering, you think, well, 
you know, my conscience tells me this, but God's word tells me something different, then you should look at the something different because that may be the conviction you're looking for to say this is the right path. Yeah. So it's not like he leaves us to our own devices. He said, look, I've given you some. So Paul was saying that as he's writing letters that we're now reading and listening to, but he was talking about the Old Testament. You could know the scriptures, but still not obey them. Isn't that what the Pharisees didn't Jesus the tell us? Scriptures and not know God wrote, not acknowledge that He actually wrote it through. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many how many times you ran into somebody, a personality that they they know the Bible backwards and forwards, and they're great at banging that over the head of somebody and and converting someone to their doctrinal position or their quote unquote theology but yet they miss the one that it's pointed to. Like Jesus said, you see that. And I think that's what Paul and them are getting at here is, I mean, coming off this thing of like, don't follow me. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just a servant. Chapter four, that's what he's saying. I, I, like, we're just servants. Like regard us at verse one as just servants of Christ, as those that have been entrusted with the secret things of God. And he's, he's pointing it back to God that kind of dismantling from himself. And I think what, when you get to the end of, of, uh, this chapter to Phil and Jace's point um, when he says that it's not a matter of top of the power. I love the next verse though, because it kind of wraps up how that power is manifested. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love with a gentle spirit? So even Paul, even in this context, he's still coming back to like, I'm trying to come to you in a position of, of humility, in a position of love, to display the inner life of God, the Trinity of God, this God Most of love. Most of the time, people, they don't like that particular thinking because to them, it possibly may give them, the people, uh, it, it, they, would, they would not be, uh, what's the word? Uh, they would, it, it's a sign of weakness. Yeah, yeah. A, a gentle spirit and, uh, or a whip that gentle spirit, a lot of them, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's weak. Yeah. You know, he, they, 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 he, they charged him with that too. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, I think that's the, the offensive part of the gospel that, I mean, when Christ came, I mean, what did he, first of all, the fact that Christ came, that that's weakness. If you, if you look at it from that perspective, from a worldly perspective, it's weakness for God to put himself in a human body and say, I'm the God of the cosmos who transcends space and time and actually created space and time. He never makes a mistake and they've hang, they've hung him up on a tree like a, some kind of animal yeah. and his final words were, forgive them. Yeah. That's what the cancel culture they well, love. does not understand. But to Zach's point, if, if when you look at the religious people who make their theology the mention mission like you said and then you go read where paul said we need to have the mind of christ well you go look at the life of christ there's a lot of religious people that look like the people that jesus was arguing with yeah then jesus they look nothing like nothing like him like his life and what he did on a daily basis and they sure are not saying forgive forgive y'all for y'all no, not what you're saying or reading and just think about it he said the two greatest commands in the bible love God, he meant love me and love your neighbor. Everything can be better. If you saw a whole culture that loved God and loved their neighbor, don't tell me that you wouldn't have a better better society. But that's what I was reading. No doubt about it. He was trying to look at the, however you want, I, I feel like relationships overused, but just that this is a being. This is a person. And granted, he's more complex than we are because he's, has a 
uh, you know, how, how he's mistake, it. He's he mistake-free. Start there. <laughs> it's like three entities that are one or three personalities that are one, but each one is a powerful part of each other. And I think he's trying to stress that, and this is just, it seems like they got caught up in having the power of God that was used to point people to Jesus. Yeah. And they just wanted the power and to talk about it. Here's and grace, immor a great immorality, then lawsuits among each other. Well, and that, that's what. At the same time, they're trying to follow whoever's the most eloquent speaker. Yeah. Or has the biggest movement, or whatever. It's like like people when they go and they, they love God and they, their neighbor. They wouldn't be doing this. But they go to a church and they only because they like the personality of the preacher, which which is not too un un. Uh, you know, oh, so oh, similar. Let's see. That's yeah. what that's what I see. Let's take another break. That's what I see is the tension of this chapter because we know, as Dad said, he's about to get into some specific issues that he's got to. They need to make adjustments on. So he's saying, but he's dealing with people that have held them up higher than they should be. Yeah. So this chapter, the tension to me in the chapter, is him saying. You need to imitate us. That's what he says in, in verse, uh, what verse is it? Uh, 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Well, I mean, you think about it, you say, well, I thought you were saying downplay me. Yeah. But he's saying, look, when it comes to lifestyle, when it comes to what you, got, you, you guys are doing, you've got to listen to what we're telling you. And when he makes that last statement about the whip or yeah. the love, isn't that the tension of any leader in a church? 100%. I yeah. mean, it's how you know, you're doing it in love, but what about that when you have to confront evil behavior? He said, I'm doing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my, <laughs> as my dear children. So he said, you need to take these warnings to heart because they were up to no good. Well, he has a little, right before that, Dad, he has a little thing where he tells me, he says, you guys, man, you got it all figured out. You're kings. You, you, you <laughs> yeah. know everything. We're just down here, a little service. We don't know what we're talking about. And then he says, I write this to shame you. <laughs> so his idea is, look, you, you have put yourselves above what God is telling you to do. But he's real careful in how he's saying it. Like exactly. In those verses 17 and 18, he mentions Timothy, and he's like, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He's yeah. not just saying he's faithful. He's faithful in the Lord. And then he's like, he will remind you of, of my way of life in Christ Jesus. I mean, just think about how careful he's wording this. Oh, yeah. It's not just my way. And it's, he's my, saying, it's my way in him. In Christ Jesus. It, it's and Timothy he says, in I the Lord. I teach everywhere in every church, so you're not special. I, I, I bring this up to all of them. But they're not saying what they're not quoting their positions in the Lord or yeah, yeah, yeah. in their life of Because what, what you see in a lot of church culture, and I think this is why podcasts like you guys don't listen to a lot of podcasts i do uh there's a really popular one out right now about um the church in uh, seattle the mars hill the rise and fall of mars hill and it's and and a lot of it i've got mixed feelings about the podcast but I'll, I'll say this that like there's a lot of deconstruction going right on right now in the church because of these cult of personalities that got so big and then everyone in the organization and in the church emulates that guy and becomes like tries to act like him or whoever he is, and and that's not what what Paul is getting at here when he says imitate me. Because if you if you think about everything he just said, what do you say? We're scum of the earth. Right. We're brutally treated. We're homeless. You were fools for Christ. 
so when he said imitate me, what he's saying is like, I'm a servant, like, like, like jump on board with this kind of lifestyle. You're imitating me as I'm being a fool for Christ. But I think most people in the church, and I struggle with this too, is we're so afraid of how the world's going to perceive us. We're afraid that we're going to be perceived as irrelevant, out of touch, marginalized, fools, everything that Paul's basically saying, hey, I'm that. For Christ, I'm that. And we don't want to take that kind of you know, strap on, strap on the back. And Paul's like, no, imitate me. This, this road, the, the, the road with Jesus is, is a road where you will be persecuted. You will be marginalized. You will, the, the, whatever's happened in the last 15 years where it's been popular to be a Christian, I think the ship has probably sailed on that. I think we're, you know, I noticed in a, in a, within hours, which is pretty unusual when we, when we give over to uh first Corinthians six, nine and 10, the guy, I quoted him a Bible verse. He asked me about sexual sin. I just quoted him a Bible verse and let it stand. But from that moment, for the next uh, few weeks up to months, I was considered the scum of the earth. Yeah. See what I'm saying? One Bible text, and I quoted a Bible verse, and I was labeled as scum of the earth. And that is interesting that you're right. It's still the same dividing line. I, when you look at the text in chapter 4, it's clear to me that Paul says, we're not who you follow, it's Christ. You have the Word of God to be your, your well, that's what's going to guide Don't go beyond what's Don't written. Don't go beyond what's written. Yeah. And then you need mentors. You know, Jace, we had, uh, we talked about Miles Brennan, who's the, will probably be the starting quarterback at LSU this year about hunting with us. He sent me a text after he hunted with you guys, just thanking us and all that. And so I sent him a text back and I said, man, I'm so glad you got to come. And he said, well, you know, I love duck hunting. And that was great to be with those guys in the blind, but I appreciate mentorship even more, which again, maybe like miles even better, but the mindset that yeah. you can learn, a young man can learn from older men about how to live, how to, how to, you know, be a, the right kind of man in our culture. And that's exactly what I think Paul said at the end of the day. It's just like Timothy listened to what I was telling mm -hmm. And now he's a person who's going to be, you know, a leader in the church. I think that's the way our attitude should be that. Well, and I, it probably came from conversations like, like I did say, I said, are they still cutting up down there on campus? Which was an immediate burst of laughter. He went, ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not at LSU. Though. No, yeah, I never. I said, I mean. Surely there's not some yeah. carrying on and a little bit of sexual immorality going on at LSU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I said, you know, it's just. It's so interesting to be at a place where you're bettering yourself, you're educating yourself, you're working hard. I said, and there's so many just on a dead end. Yeah. I mean, it's because they're hooked on whatever vice that, you know, they never recover. And, and we bump into them every day. But I think having him, because I think these are conversations you should be having with somebody that's there. I would, I would want somebody to say, Hey, that's a dead end because it is. Yeah. But look to yeah. to the point we've been saying all along, Jace. The the we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, when you're in a duck blind and you got some temples there that are representative of the Holy Spirit and God, and you got an opportunity to share with someone, to mentor, to tell them a better way because they're stuck in a really tough peer pressure situation. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. It's lived out better there than just, well, I'm going to wait and talk to somebody at my church on Sunday about it. Maybe I can get a meeting with my pastor. Yeah. Look, it's got to be day to day to day. 
yep. to make a difference. Well, because it is, it's not just, I think we've made the mistake of the church of making salvation just a one-time event. Right. And the gospel is like the end-all, be-all. Instead of the gospel is not the end-all, be-all. It's a means to an end, and the end is, is life with God himself. Exactly. And so I love it what Paul says here, What when he, the reason why he's going to send Timothy to Jace's point earlier when he mentioned this. He, he, he doesn't say he's going to remind you of how, how to get your sins forgiven, which is part of it. But it's also more than just getting forgiven. It's life in Christ. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ. And so when you get forgiveness of sins, when you're justified before a holy God, that's only one part of your salvation. There's also this thing called sanctification that happens that is I'm being progressively freed from the power of sin right. as a believer through the Holy Spirit's indwelling in my, in my life and in my heart. And, 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 and then one day... The, 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 I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be freed from the presence of sin. And so I think what when we think about salvation, it's good to, to put it in more of a context of it's life with Jesus. Yeah. It's life with him. It's a better way. It's, 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 it's what we're it's what We we're talked here. about it, Zach. He established that in 1 and 2 with the idea it's the message of the cross, but it's also the wisdom from the Spirit. Yeah. It's 1-2. It's a 1-2 step. Yeah. That, that, well, and the, and the love of God. And, and I mean, grace is what saves you. That's why I brought that up. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with. If you don't have it, you you you're not you can't be saved. Yeah, God's grace. But he 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 made a point of saying, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is a a lifestyle of Jesus as Lord and you fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in a humble way as his power works through you to make the world a better place and make him known. Yep. Exactly. Good stuff. Um, so that's the end of our uh, podcast. We, we do have a, a overtime segment, uh, and it's today it's, it's the top five things that I learned from the March for Life, which I was just at in D.C. I observed some interesting things that I want to share in our OT. For those of you that haven't signed up but would like to, Go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. And until February 7th, you're going to save $15 off your subscription. So that's more unashamed, M-O-R-E, unashamed. You're going to get $15 off. Do that by February the 7th. And you go to Blaze TV. And so that's the way to be able to get this overtime segment. So we encourage you guys. Thank you for the ones that have already signed up. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.